Hi everyone and welcome to Nettie's Corner, a podcast about all things mental health and mental wellness. And today we're going to be talking about self-care. Um, now, if you are a fan of the show, you know that I often ask my guests and I often talk a lot about self-care. And um, as much as I think mental health is no longer a taboo, I think that self-care is still a taboo. I think that, you know, we're in a generation or well, new. Yeah, we're in a generation of in a time when we are go, 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 go. We're like hustling, hustling, hustling. We're competing with ourselves. We're competing with our peers. And we just don't take better care of ourselves. I mean, if you are... I was going to say a person of color, but really, if you're anyone, you are not really looking at um, back at your ancestors or your uh, the generations before you and seeing them taking care of themselves. You don't see them um, lounging around, putting their feet up, relaxing and things like that. Like most of us watched our parents um, work hard and bust their ass to give us the opportunities that we have now. And I think with those examples it really kind of deterred us from taking the time to kind of relax. If you think back to when you were a a kid in like elementary school, the first thing that you're asked is, um, you know, what do you want to be when you grow up? From a very young age, we are conditioning these kids to already be thinking about what they're going to be when they grow up. You know, when kids do sports, they talk about working hard, um, you know, There's this misconception by like influencers and people on the web that, you know, you sleep when you die. There's a lot of different points in our lives when people are constantly talking about this notion that like rest means that you're lazy. Rest means that you shouldn't be um, taking time to 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 rest your body and that it's it's something that you shouldn't be doing because it means that you're not being productive. Um, I myself am guilty of that because I have been in situations where I know that I need to be prioritizing self-care, but it's really hard because I know that I'm also supposed to be doing A, B, and C. And sometimes I have a hard time sitting around and not doing stuff. But if you've been paying attention, I've been focusing a lot on self-care for the month of February. February was the month where I really felt like my 2020 started. January was a trial run because of my move and my new job and me transitioning. So the reason I say all of that is that I really knew I wanted to talk about self-care and the perfect article came out um, on the 13th, the day before Valentine's Day by the Huffington Post. Now, excuse me, if you are not familiar with the Huffington Post, it's a thing was created by Ariana Huffington and it is amazing. If you sign up for their newsletter, they always have really good articles. Um, and their article on February 13th was titled 13 ways to practice self-care that cost next to nothing. Now I'm going to briefly kind of categorize the 16 ways because I think that they got really creative during this article because, um, it really highlights ways that you can practice self-care that's free. Um, because I think also what self-care is a, one thing we feel guilty about resting and doing something for ourselves and B, sometimes we don't have the time. Um, and we also struggle with fitting in uh, thinking that we don't have money. We assume that self-care means that we need to have money. Um, some common ways that we think about self-care is, um, getting a massage, getting your nails done, doing a face mask, all those things. 
which are also kind of gender specific if you think about it. So that's the other reason why I really like this list because it's not gender specific as well. So the first one is spending time outside. Y'all, I've definitely talked about this in other shows, but seasonal depression is when we are feeling or we are impacted by the lack of vitamin D um, during the winter months. Now, with that being said, you might think like going outside might be really difficult, but even in the wintertime, there's sunshine. Everybody has access to outside, hopefully. Um, even if you work nine to five, you have a little porch, even if you're just looking out a window. They say that, um, you know, having some time outside and away from our devices calms our nervous systems from the negative effects of everyday stressors. I mean, you guys feel it. You know that when you're spending any time away from your coworkers, your home, um, your phone, anytime that you take like a little outside break, um, even to, to grab some coffee or, or take a breather or get some fresh air, you instantly feel better. So that is your a first, the first way that you can um, practice self-care. Uh, the second is cleaning and organizing your living space. Another topic I love to talk about. I recorded a minimalism episode before that um, gained a lot of popularity, popularity Excuse me, in Basic Latina, my old podcast. But research says that when your apartment or office is a mess, it can take a toll on your mental state, making you feel more stressed, anxious, and overwhelmed. Has anyone ever seen that show Hoarders? Okay, so if you've seen that show Hoarders, you know that the people who are... Um, you know that the people who are hoarding or have hoarding type behaviors usually have some kind of mental illness or have a mental health diagnosis attached to their behavior. Usually they have they feel like a lack of control in their life, so they hoard things. It's it's very complex, but it's the same concept when you're holding on to things in your house or when you have a lot of clutter in your house. Having clutter is synonymous to having clutter in your brain. So they say, you know, organizing your space and having clean lines and all that stuff is also um, synonymous with you feeling organized. I know this whole minimalism thing has has taken a whole life of its own for years. And people, you know, say it's like a hipster thing and they think, you know, they think it's pretty ugly. Like there's different, you know, people who have things to say about it. But at the end of the day, the proven fact is that Having a clean space helps you stay organized and reduces your stress completely. The third is reducing the amount of time you spend on social media. Mindless scrolling through your social media feeds for hours on end is not only a time suck, but is also linked to lower self-esteem, sleep issues, and an increased fear of missing out. I feel like this is self-explanatory. Doing this... Oh, sorry. Um, being able to step away from your phone is definitely a form of self-care. We are attached to our phones. I'm literally, I have my phone in my hand. Like I always, I take my phone with me to the bathroom. There, we are attached to our phones. There are alarm clocks, our reminders, the way that we keep in touch with people. So I get it. It's not always feasible for you to be away from your phone if you have kids and stuff like that. But if you can enjoy a moment without your phone, whether you're with your kids, you're in the park, you're reading a book, whatever the case may be, spending time without your phone increases your ability to, to engage other people and really tap into yourself. Which brings me to number four, doing some journaling. Now, I know we all kept a diary when we were young. 
And there's a reason why we felt so connected to that diary. That diary is where we wrote everything that was going on in our day, all the crushes that we had, and all the times that our parents fought, and all the times that we felt like purging to someone and we didn't feel comfortable doing so. It goes back to when you're a kid. You felt comfort writing in your diary. This is the same exact thing as an adult. Now, adults, we don't have diaries. We have journals because we're grown. And journaling helps tremendously for mental health. They say writing things down is like a spell. So if you're writing down, and I'm not talking about, you know, writing about like, hey, you know, dear journal, today I did this, today I did that. No, it has to be organic. Writing down things like, I want to work on this, this month felt like this, this week was like this. Writing things down makes things come true. And it helps you kind of organize your thoughts Say you had a rough day um, and you really don't really have anyone to talk to. You don't have a therapist. How else can you get all your feelings out? Writing in a journal helps you unpack all your feelings in a way that is affordable to you. Because a journal, you can get one at a CVS. You know, not even CVS. You can get one at Family Dollar for literally a dollar or less than that. Um, So it is very accessible to anyone in any kind of situation, hopefully. Um, Number five is sleep. Like, I feel like that's self-explanatory. We do not get enough sleep. Some people have this notion that they're night owls, that um, they sleep when they die, they only need four hours of sleep. I call bullshit. There are only less than a handful of people who are actual night owls. A night owl does not mean that you can stay up and do A, B, and C. A night owl means that your productivity level is at the same level as someone who is awake during the day. So you have to bring the same energy that the 8 a.m. person brings. You should be able to bring that same energy at 8 p.m. or 9 p.m. So think about it like that. It's not that, oh, I could stay up late and play video games. I could binge watch a show. I can read a book or I can work on my or I can work on my book or I could do writing and stuff like that. That is insomnia, okay? I know people who have said, I can do A, B, and C at night. Baby girl, you have insomnia. You should not be doing that at night. There's a reason why there's daytime and nighttime. Nighttime when, we're, when we are, should be resting. Um, I feel bad for those of us who work second and third shift. I know that life, and I know that that's the exception, but really we should be sleeping at night. Whether you function on 6, 7, 8, 10, 12 hours of sleep, that's on you. You have to figure out what works for you. But sleep, I mean, getting a good night's sleep literally impacts your day. Think about kids. If you've ever worked with kids, if you have kids, if you know a kid, you know how it is when they stay up late. And then when you have to wake their ass up in the morning to go to school and then they're falling asleep in class and then they're not able to do their homework and then they have a headache. So sleep, sleep is a form of self-care. If you're feeling tired, go to bed, take a nap. The world will keep spinning if you take a nap and you go to bed. So go to bed. Number six is a little controversial, but it's meditate. Now meditation. Practicing meditation is one of the best ways to restore and connect with our minds and body. Now, this is this this quote was from Tamara Levet, a Toronto-based medita- meditation instructor and the head of um, the wellness app called Calm. Now, meditation has a lot of I feel like it has like a bad rep because people are just like I can't sit down and quiet my mind. There's no way I could do that. 
Um, there's a lot of guided meditation that doesn't really require you to quiet your mind. With meditation, we don't want you to quiet your mind. We want you to listen to where your mind is going. Meditation and mindfulness are in the same family in that you want to figure out where does your mind go when it wanders, okay? So if you wanted to practice this, there's a whole bunch of YouTube videos, but you sit down, eyes closed, or you soften your gaze, and you try to do a, uh, um, a um, excuse me, a guided meditation. It might feel a little weird and anxiety-provoking at first, but you're literally just meditating for like a minute, not even, 30 seconds. It's going to guide you through doing deep breaths in and out, and it's going to tell you to focus on your breath and see where your mind goes where it, when it wanders. Are you thinking about the grocery list? Are you thinking about that text that you want to send? Are you thinking about that meeting you're about to have? Are you thinking about what you do when you get home? You have to go, you have to figure out where is it that your that your mind is going when it meditates. And you kind of have to shut down those thoughts. But the reason why meditation wants you to shut down those thoughts is because it wants you to stay centered. We live in an environment where we're constantly stimulated. And meditation forces you to sit down and just focus on your thoughts and be centered. It helps in situations with stress so that you're not triggered by someone. Um, you know, you're not getting upset really quickly. It helps you in situations with conflict resolution because you're able, to, being able to like quiet your mind when you're meditating allows you to do those same things when you're in a situation where there's conflict. I'm not saying that you're in an argument with someone and then you sit down cross legs and start meditating. But you're able to slow your mind down and kind of tune them out and figure out what to do next. Which is so funny because the next one directly aligns with meditation. The next form of self-care that is free is checking in with yourself. It says, at least once a day, if not more, take some time and check in with yourself. Pause to assess how hungry you are, how full you are, any emotions you may be feeling, and scan your bodies for areas of tightness. Now, this is something that if you practice yoga is very, very common in that the instructor will often ask you to pay attention to the areas in your body that are tense. You probably don't notice, but our shoulders are always are, are always up to our ears because we're tense. Our jaw is sometimes clenched, which there's research about if your jaw is clenched, what that means. We're grinding our teeth. Um, sometimes our hands are tense. Our stomach, we're probably holding that in. So it, checking in with your body allows you to figure out what the tension is and really unclench it. Which, great transition. The next one is moving your body. Now, this is the, this this amount, this, this kind of self-care can cost you money if you decide you're going to go to a gym or take a class. But it's the same thing about going outside. Moving your body, whether it's going outside for a walk, you know, doing a YouTube video, exercising, really any form of um, exercise or, or movement helps with you trying to um, A, get fit if that's your goal, and B, it helps release any kind of tension in your body and it allows you to, to, to sweat everything out, which is awesome. Number nine is connecting with loved ones offline. Texting and email are convenient forms of communication, but they don't satisfy your deep need for a connection in the way more personal and the way more personal interactions do. 
Um, this is a tough one for our introverts. I live with one, so I get it. But the thing with introverts that I've realized is that you guys, it's not that you don't like to be around people or like to talk to people. You don't like small talk and you want meaningful conversations and interactions. I mean, duh, we all want that. So meaningful conversations and interactions, those happen offline. Those happen when you see your friends and family. Right now, I'm in a situation where I live, um, I don't live, I don't have a lot of friends and family around in the same state as me. So the only way that I can talk to my loved ones right now is via text or phone call, except for the loved one that I live with now, which is my partner. Um, so I rather connect with somebody in person because the energy is different. There are so many ways that text messages and emails get, get misconstrued and we all know those ways because we've been there. So really seeing people and being able to connect with them gives you a a hundred percent a view of what, what's going on with them, how they feel about you. It, it completely un- lets you understand um, what's going on with the person, you're able to touch them, if that's the kind of relationship you guys have, um, hug them, it really, really helps. Number 10 is investing in a hobby. So hobbies are kind of obsolete right now. With the demands of work, family, and other obligations taking up most of our time, it barely leaves us any room to schedule activities that we truly enjoy. Now, if you're a friend of mine or if you're in my close circle, you know that I'm always talking about things that spark joy. Um, and not everything that you do needs to produce money. This podcast, I'm on year three. And while it would be cool to get sponsors and shit like that, I tried that one time and I never got paid. So your girl is doing this as a hobby. Does it feel like a job sometimes? Yes. But do I treat it like a job? Nope. Okay. So I decide who, what, and where when it comes to this podcast. So if you, if there's something that you like to do, podcasting, knitting, painting, sewing, um, if it's drawing in one of those adult coloring books, if it's organizing clothes, whatever it is that you like to do, your hobby, do it, okay? Do more things that spark joy for you. It doesn't necessarily need to be that like, oh, now I'm going to be an influencer and I'm going to do makeup on YouTube and I'm going to make all this money and I'm going to have a website. No, it could just be something that you like to do. I used to be able to crochet, I crocheted blankets before. That was a hobby that I absolutely loved before like social media, before I really was like on my phone like that and I had iPhones. I used to occupy my time with crocheting. So there are definitely a lot of hobbies for us to take up. Number 11 is taking some deep breaths. During high stress periods, we may go hours or even a whole day without taking a full grounding breath if we're not intentional about it. I had a coworker tell me one time that sighing was a form of self-care and it was a way to, uh, it was a way for survival. Um, and the way she put it is that we are constantly like right now, like I'm breathy, like talking to you guys because I'm talking fast. Not once have I taken a deep breath, mostly because I don't want it to sound crazy, but we haven't, we we're constantly going, but that notion of doing like a Like that instantly slowed me down. That instantly slowed down my heartbeat because I had a, uh, we usually when I record these, my adrenaline is pumping and I'm going, I'm going, I'm going, I'm going, I'm going, I'm going. That deep breath meant so much. 
Hey, if you have an Apple Watch, your Apple Watch reminds you to breathe. How many of us dismiss those um those notifications that tells us to breathe? If you really take the time to take that breathing uh prompt seriously, it could really, really help because it makes you take five deep breaths. One deep breath makes a difference. Imagine doing five. That only takes a minute of your time. You're probably thinking like, oh, I don't have time for that. You do have time for that. You have time to scroll on social media for 20 minutes. You have time to, um, to, you have, you have time. (laughs) I couldn't think of anything else. But one of the biggest time wasters is how much time we spend on our phones and on social media scrolling. So there is no there there is no excuse. We you have time. So make sure that next time you find yourself and you feel like, damn, like I feel so tense and, and, and I feel like all breathy and I feel like I can't breathe, take a deep breath. You probably haven't taken a deep breath today. Um, number 12 I really enjoy, which is volunteering your time with an organization you really care about. Choose your cause, whatever it may be, and then figure out a way you can pitch in. I love that. Um, I think that it's something we don't do anymore. It goes back to the hobby thing. We think every single piece of content, every single thing that we produce um, or that we put our time in needs to, needs to automatically benefit us in some way monetarily. What about benefiting us for our mental health? What about benefiting our ability to communicate with other people? What about it's, you know it filling up our cup or sparking joy? There's so many of us, me included, and some of my close friends who want to volunteer more. And we have felt the effects of being able to volunteer and help other people. I know people who have like no desire to volunteer, which is completely fine. Like I am not judging you. But those of us who, who want to volunteer, we struggle because we know that we're so busy. You can make time. If volunteering is something you really want to do, look up on Volunteer Match. It's a very, very popular website you can use. And look up in your area who's seeking volunteers. Sign up for your local Salvation Army, even though I know that they're problematic. I've heard some things. Or the Boys and Girls Club. If there's an interest of yours, like you want to work in um, a nursing home, um, a children's hospital, sign up to be a volunteer and figure out what your commitment can be. Number 13 is interesting, and it's eat more vegetables. And I'm going to remix that by saying just eat well. Eating well makes a huge difference. It goes back to what I said about sleeping. Um... Have you ever met a child who hasn't eaten? Have you ever met an adult who hasn't eaten? Those Snickers commercials are real. Eating is a form of self-care. In some parts of the country, eating is a privilege. So if you have the privilege to have income, to eat food, to have a home, or there's there's a fridge where there's food in there, make sure you take that time to eat. And eat well. Eat for your body. I'm not going to tell you what to eat. Whatever your diet is, eat for your body. Eat what makes your body feel good. Figure out the ways that you want to fuel yourself and do more of that. Number 14, I really love, which is cuddle with someone you love. One thing that um, my partner and I really do is after a a really... um, After a really challenging day or after we've had a very um, difficult conversation or any time that we feel like we need it, we do a big bear hug. And it's, it's never like, oh, give me a hug. I need it. We both know it. We like give each other a look and then we go in for a hug. Have you ever felt that? Like when was the last time that you hugged someone? 
Not the side of hug, like, hey. No. When was the last time that you really, really hugged somebody? Hugging somebody, it shows that it is, it is shown to alleviate anxiety, depression, and feelings of no loneliness. Even cuddling with your dogs. Everyone likes to cuddle. Whether it's with a human or a dog. I don't believe that people don't like to cuddle. There's some people who don't like to be touched. I get that. But I think everyone at some point like to be cuddled. I mean, think about it. Babies literally come out the womb wanting to be held because they were in a cocoon that was warming their bodies up for so long. So sometimes all we want is a warm body by our side. Number 15, also one of my faves, saying no more often. Like, I feel like this is self-explanatory, but I will talk about boundaries and saying no on this podcast. Even though I've kind of talked about that, talked about it before. You know, if you didn't listen to Basic Latina, then you probably don't know, but I talked about this before. But saying no. We often think of self-care as doing something extra for ourselves on top of our normal day-to-day activities. But self-care can also be about what you choose not to do. Okay, wake snatched. One way to give a healthy no Start setting boundaries with the people in your life. <laughs> Second wig snatch. That's it. Boundaries and saying no. If you don't know how to set boundaries and you don't know how to say no, look it up and do your research. I do want to talk about this more, but I know this will be a whole different episode if I go into it a lot. But imagine setting boundaries with someone who constantly, constantly steps them over. So a good example is if you have someone who shows up at your house, I don't know anybody who does this anymore. Someone like the vecina or neighbor or whatever, somebody who's constantly showing up at your house. You didn't invite them. They didn't call you before they came. That's a boundary violation. Even culturally in some Caribbean cultures, doing that means that like doing that is cool. no. No, that's not cool. You should not be showing up to somebody's home unannounced. That is a boundary violation. It might not be your boundary violation, but as an example of a boundary violation. Um, Calling somebody after 10 is a boundary violation for some people. You need to figure out what your boundaries are. You might not care about getting phone calls at 10. You You might not care about getting FaceTimes at, at work. You might not care about somebody walking in and seeing you in the bathroom. You might not care about somebody showing up at your house. You need to figure out what your boundaries are. And you need to remember, every time you say yes to something, you're saying no to you. Our time on this earth is limited. We have a certain amount of time, and we have a number, and we have we have a purpose. And we have a, a small allotted a time to, to fulfill that purpose, and then we're called to another place. So if you're on this earth and you feel like people are wasting your time, you have no boundaries. There should be no one wasting no one's time in 2020. And that is a fact. And saying no means that you care about yourself and you care about that person enough to let them know like, hey, I love you, but you're disturbing my boundaries. And in order for us to be in a good place, I need you to stop overstepping these boundaries. And the last one. Practicing self-compassion. <sighs> now, let me talk about that a little bit. All the face masks, manicures, and massages in the world can't undo the damage of that harsh inner voice 
criticizing, judging, and berating yourself all day long. Listen, I do this literally all the time. I'm so hard on myself. I mean, you're so hard on yourself. You're so hard on yourself. Like, we are very, very, very hard on ourselves. We're our worst critic. And just like this said, it doesn't matter what you do on a daily basis. If you have constant negative self-talk, if you're constantly beating yourself up, none of that will matter. You will still feel like shit. Back, I can't remember when I first heard this, but if you think back to like when you first started learning about like self-care and like mental health, when people are like, love yourself first before you love anybody else, put yourself first, love you, do you, that is what they were saying. You have to practice self-compassion. If you know, if no one gives you a compliment, if no one acknowledges your work, you have to be able to do that for yourself first. I cannot talk about this enough. This is something that I'm currently struggling with. So that's why it it hits home for me because I don't do this enough. And this is something that I'm definitely going to practice. Out of all of the 16, I think that I do most of them um, right now. I definitely know I need to reduce my time on social media. I journal. I try to I definitely focus on sleep. I love going to sleep. It's actually past my bedtime now, but love going to sleep. Meditating, I'm done. Checking out myself, I do that all the time. I definitely journal. I move my body. Um, connecting with loved ones offline is something I need to do more. Um, taking deep breaths. I do not volunteer as much as I'd like to. I try to eat well. Um, but literally anything that you do for yourself is a form of self-care. I used to ask this question on Basic Latina. Um, in the be- I think at the end, like, what is your favorite form of self-care? And a lot of people will say like the same generic things. And every time I asked a guy, they'd be like, well, what do you mean? I'm like, well, what do you do for yourself? Like, what do you do to unwind? What is it that you do that brings joy to you? And I think people understand that better than like the whole self-care thing. And they gave me different answers. But self-care is doing something for yourself to fill up your cup. And you know, my favorite quote is, don't pour from an empty cup. So if you feel like your cup is empty or you need to recharge your battery, all those things... Try to figure out, okay, what is it that, what can I do for myself? Like, it's been a rough month, it's been a rough day, it's been a rough week. What is it that I can do for myself to recharge my battery? And right now, you might think it's a little woo-woo, or you might think, I don't have the time, I don't have the money, but it is possible. I promise you it's possible. If you're listening to this podcast while you're going to work, this is the form of self-care right here. Taking the time to listen to a podcast that you enjoy, um, wanting to learn something new, trying to better your mental health, that alone is a form of self-care, okay? So be gentle with yourself. If you're feeling fucking crazy and tense, I suggest the first thing to do is to take a deep breath and relax, okay? I'm taking my own advice because I was struggling with this recently. And you might not be able to refer to this article, but self-care is attainable. It is not some rich, um, privileged thing that you cannot do. No, it is something that all of us can do in our day-to-day, okay? I hope that you found this episode helpful, guys. Please, please, please let me know um, your favorite forms of self-care and ways that you may want to do more self-care in your life, but you're really conflicted. Hit me up in the DMs. Um, you know, my Instagram is really netty, which is my personal Instagram and the podcast Instagram. You can hit me up via email, nettiescornerpodcast at gmail.com as well. 
thank you so much for tuning in make sure you rate review and subscribe i'll talk to you guys soon stay well and take care